Hello, listeners. Welcome to our third episode of. Um, gosh, we need to really come up with a name for this. It's either the gridiron or the huddle. I think you're going to hear this for the next like couple episodes. Yeah, we're three episodes deep, and we still haven't <laughs> figured out a name. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking we're not, we'll have to let the, uh, the the listeners decide on a name. Yeah, like a, a Facebook poll, something like that, because we can't uh, we can't be a podcast that has two titles and two names every every week. Yeah, this goes back to our commitment issues. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another separate yeah. podcast of relationships and marriage. Um, but yeah, no, we're we're really excited to be back with you guys. And again, you know, just something that Sean and I have been just trying to figure out and, and see what happens with this. Um, but what's exciting is that we are actually done with the tournament for this season. So we've got the Turkey Bowl coming up. Yeah, yeah. On Thanksgiving Day, we always have a pickup football game. Uh, I've been doing it for like, I don't know, how many years? Yeah, a long time. Yeah, that's at Cheyenne Park, which is where the first... MFL tournament ever took place and where we used to play the big games all the time out in uh, Des Plaines. Uh, so yeah, so that's the next big event. Yep. But mm-hmm. the one big event that just passed that this podcast is dedicated to is the last uh, men's summer football tournament. Yeah, you know, it's I, I can't believe we've been doing this for so long. It was awesome. It was a great tournament, you know. Um, I like uh, how, you know, every year there's always someone that you guys invite to just like share or, or give some kind of like a, a thought or devotion or something like that, which is really cool. Um, Neil was, was great. Yeah, and, and Neil's been great. For those that don't know, uh, Neil runs Arc Fitness in Wheeling. And every year for the last several years, um, they've been just awesome volunteers that come help us on tournament day and help with the registration and put together uh, different small events where people could do like the vertical jump and... You know they're they're just they're awesome people to help us every year and and Neil um, was invited to talk and and kind of give like a, a message to yeah uh, his the players this year. his message um, was was great and I think the one thing you know Sean you and I were just talking about earlier uh, was when he talked about just his dream of opening a job like a gym like he actually that wasn't his dream like he he had no dream of opening a gym and all he did was he asked a simple question and he said you know Lord. Like, what do you want me to do, you know? And and how can I serve your people? And that question, which is extremely profound, um, opened up these opportunities for him to do what he's doing now. So it's really cool that he shared that. Like, just taking that step of faith, not really having this kind of a game plan, but just yeah, you know, it's like it's like changing that perspective of like, this is what I want to do versus like, Lord, what is it that? How is it that you want me to serve you and your people? You know, which is kind of, yeah, it's a pretty profound question to ask. And, and it's cool because that it aligns a lot with, you know, just our our thoughts and our values even here for MFL. You know, it's like we, we want to we wanna do the same thing. Like, how do we impact people? How do we serve our community, um, whether it's on the field or off the field, you know? Do you, uh, do you watch Game of Thrones? No, I haven't. It's on my list of... Uh, Shows to watch that I haven't yet. You're the the only holdout that hasn't watched Game of Thrones. I find it hard to believe that I'm the only one that hasn't watched <laughs> a single episode of Game of Thrones. No, I, I bring it up because there's one there's one thing that I thought was really interesting, in it, and they have this. So there's this greeting in Old Valyrian that they have in the show. Um, Old Valyrian is like this dead language that no one ever speaks anymore. But before, when you meet someone for the first time, you're supposed to say this phrase called Valor Magulis, and then the response is. Valor Tahiris, 
right? But so, valor magulis, it translates to uh, all men must die. And then the response is valor dohiris, which means all men must serve. Oh, wow. And so, I, the reason why I thought about that right now is because, I, like, to me, the way I interpret that is that when you meet someone, you remind each other that, hey, you know, we're all mortal, that our time is limited. And so this time together is, is something special. And so when you're reminded that your time is limited, the, the question becomes, well, what do you do with this time? And then the response is, well, we must serve one another. You know, in that same vein, it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's really powerful because, you know, this year's tournament was dedicated to uh, Sumit Alex, who um, was... Uh, a member and player on uh, the Detroit Fire. And so, you know, uh, just his story is just incredible, too. And, you know, um, Shane Thomas, who gave the um, remembrance speech at the tournament this year, just mentioned just Summit's heart and just the fact that that's what he essentially was living out, that, that phrase, you know? Like, he was serving a guy that you know like serving people in a way that we would never have expected you know when greatest love you could give another yeah you risked his life to save a perfect stranger you know and so uh yeah i mean it it was a beautiful speech by shane and and a really really nice like devotion to him yeah let's uh let's play uh, a clip of it uh because i think i thought his his tribute was uh was incredible and just it'd be nice for other listeners who weren't there um to to hear Sumit was a guy that I really was, was a role model to me. I looked up to. I wanted to be just like him. I remember growing up, and he always wore uh, Adidas. And so I tried changing all my apparel just to look like him because everything about him just resonated of, of what a man of God was all about. Um, his, his act of heroism is just unfathomable. You don't think about someone that would um, go out and save not really a friend, someone who he had never known. He just found, saw someone out drowning in, in a river and he jumped in and tried to save. And that's, that act of heroism is a culmination of what his life was all about. He, he lived for others. He lived for the community. He cherished brotherhood. Um, you know, I, one of those things that I remember was, you know, a couple years ago we were playing in the tournament and we were on the defense and um, there was a long Hail Mary thrown and the ball was incomplete and the ball was so far away. And so I wasn't planning on going and getting that ball because usually the offense will go get their own ball and bring it back to the spot. And so I was just looking at Sumit and I was just like, all right, let me just use some time to rest. And then Sumit yelled at me. He was like, go get that ball. Team sportsmanship. And so... That right there showed me that, you know, while we loved MFL, we loved these tournaments, he cared so much more about honoring Christ and loving his brothers so much more. And so I'm honored and privileged to stand here before you guys in a, in a cloud of red because you guys are honoring him. And I just hope that, you know, as you guys compete today, and I know hardware is, is amazing to try to achieve for, but what's so much more important in this tournament is the fellowship and the brotherhood. And so I hope that you guys continue to remind yourselves, especially when times get really tough and you, you get into the game and you're like all about the competition, that 
you're reminding yourself we are all men of God and we're living a life here to proclaim his name and carry out the mission that he has for us. So I think like, you know, just hearing that and just thinking about that, it again, it just there's so much truth to it and so profound. You know, we're this is why we started this podcast or even just to like take a chance on it. This is what is driving the MFL board for the last couple of years is that yeah, it's football, it's competitive, it's you know, we want to get out there, we want to try to win this trophy and we've said this before, but there is so much more to this. And if through this podcast or through these tournaments, um, you know, if, if you could change one person's life, uh, it's all of it is worth it. You know, we're, then we're doing something more than just, you know, running a really good tournament. So I, I think it's awesome that just in light of just how this tournament was set up this year, from Neil's speech to just remembering Sumith and stuff like that, it's just that that theme has just been carried on through tournament. So it's, it's a great way to start it off. Yeah, so, uh, so after the opening ceremony, so we have the, the messages, and then we have a, a tribute to the sponsors as well to thank them for contributing to putting, helping us put the tournament together. Um, we, have, we kicked off the first games. And so were you, were you there for the first games? Yes. Those, you know, it's really interesting because <laughs> I'm supporting Orange and Red, uh, and they were both playing against each other, which is really odd because I didn't know who to cheer for, so yeah. I just stayed quiet. But um, I believe Green and White also played. Yes, it was one of the first times, I think, that both churches that bring two teams had to play each other in the, in the tournament on two separate How brackets. did we avoid that in the past years? Uh, well, so, so way back in one of these all-captains meetings where we talked to all the captains, uh, the captains were somewhat suspicious if two teams of the same church played against each other because they thought they would try to rig the game in favor of one team or the other. And so they're like, no, you know, like put them on two separate pools or try to work to, to put them in two separate pools. And then over the years, I think people realize that, you know, that usually is not the case where, you know, I, I don't speak from my experience on, on white trying to play against green. Uh, yeah, we, tar- we tried our hardest to, uh, to beat them in that game. You know, like there was no, no sense of like, hey, you know, let's try to, let's try, let's try to cooperate in some yeah. sort of way. You know, so I think people realize that, like, you know, no matter what team, what church you're on, right. if you're on one team, you're going to try to win. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, so then, and then, so we just started to do straight up, just depending on how the seedings fall from last year coming to this year, and then we do the uh, one, four, five, eight versus two, three, six, seven on two separate pools, like uh, their seedings. And then wherever those chips fall, that's how they play. Definitely a, uh, I mean, those were some pretty competitive games, you know. Um, but you know what's surprising was uh, Penty sure came out of, I mean, they were, they were gunning for yeah. like a win. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. They, they made the playoffs for the first time in a, in a couple of years, I yeah. think. And yeah, they looked, they looked really good. They're, They've been kind of floating under the radar for a little while, you know. So it's, yeah. it was kind of cool to yeah, see them rise up and... Yeah, even yeah. in last year's games, they all they always came very very close. Yeah, you know they've always been like a strong competitor. So they, yeah, and that's what's nice about this tournament that anybody like I feel like everybody know. is pretty evenly matched, and yeah, yeah you just never know. All right, we except for one team which is pretty dominant <laughs> the the whole tournament uh, up until the championship game, where I mean, uh, North Avenue Saints I feel was oh, man. I mean, they didn't let any 
team score more than six points, I feel like, up until the championship game. So they were they looked incredibly dominant. It's going into man, it. Man, watching those guys play, it's it's incredible. Like there's just so much heart there, but it's also dev I mean, I'm not on that team, but it's devastating just that, you know, three years in a row they've been in the finals against three different teams, Kana, um, you know, Orthodox one Orthodox. and then Ciro and just like just short of that win, you know, and they're such a talented team. Speaking of just short, this last championship game they went to overtime. I know. Well, do we do we want to talk about the uh, controversial, the controversial play? First, they, well, all right. So let's set the scene. Okay, let's set right, the scene. Right. So it was what thirteen thirteen, mm-hmm. going uh, at the end of regulation. And one one interesting rule that regulation ended on was it was green ball and then uh it was a fumble by the qb and they're like oh dead ball dead ball but the rule is that you don't stop if it's you know the one minute warning or two minute warning you don't uh stop the clock mm-hmm. on a fumble a fumble doesn't count as dead ball and the reason for that is because well then if someone is a receiver and catches the ball and if you know if someone's about to, about to tag him he doesn't have time to get out he can just fumble the ball you know, and there'll be a dead ball, quote unquote. You know, so to prevent that, it's just you know, fumbles don't count. Dead balls, it's off the clock. So yeah. anyway, so then it was thirteen thirteen. It goes into overtime, uh, and then Green wins the coin toss and elects to go second. And so it's college rules. Uh, Purple uh, went first, has four chances from the first comb before the goal line to score a touchdown and if they do then they have the option to score one or two points and so they you know they went for they had four attempts but they didn't score a touchdown so then green went up and so if they scored they would win the tournament and so the other the first play didn't didn't go anywhere second play uh didn't go anywhere third play they actually went backwards and went like five yards back and then it came down to this last fourth play and they, they called the play, they got to the line, they hiked it. Uh, Tony Augustine ran to the end zone. Joey put it up. Um, he makes an amazing catch, you know, jumps up, catches it, and then he comes down. Two purple defenders were on top of him. You know, he kind of gets knocked to the ground, kind of near the sidelines. And so the question was, you know, was he in when he caught the ball and that was that turn that final play i i don't remember any other play in this tournament that just caused so much controversy like people from all sides of the field on both ends were just were debating this you know and you almost wish that there was like a instant replay type of a thing but i know we don't do that for the tournaments but yeah no yeah we don't do that for the tournaments one one is because we're so limited on time that sure. to, to stop right. big controversial plays and look at the, the replay. Like you, someone can make the argument that you could do it on the championship game. Right. Um, but yeah, there, we have no process. Well, logistically too, it'd be a nightmare to try to do that. I mean, first of all, we're not a we're not the NFL, right? I mean, although yeah, we it's a charity football tournament. Sure, but we are. You know, we're doing a lot of things in place to make it a, a big tournament. I mean, we've got the the fans and we've got the schedules and teams are just into it you know and even the production value is so much higher now that we're recording things and having highlight reels and stuff but yeah i think trying to do any kind of a replay 
situation or to be intentional about that would just be a logistical nightmare because think about the number of cameras the angles like what we would need to do i mean we can't just depend decisions off of what what people on the sideline are are taking videos of right right yeah it, yeah it would have to be i mean we could go to the cameraman that we have up there on the on the ladder and ask him to do yeah. a replay of it or something or and if they, he can't figure out some sort of disconfirming evidence mm-hmm. uh, against the call then the call stands or something um but I mean, it's not off the table, but we just don't have a process for that right, right now. Right. Yeah, I mean that was that was a that was a crazy win. I mean, again, congratulations to Serial Warriors for pulling that off. I mean, that was that's incredible. And, and you kind of have to at that point you have to go with what the refs say. I know it's debatable, and everyone's you know posting videos and yeah. doing all kinds of just talking about what what it really looked like. Did he have his foot in? Did he have control over the ball? I mean, there's a lot that you can do, but. It's you know you you have to go with the call at the end of the day and you know to the to to the North Avenue Saints man like one of these days you guys will get your opportunity like don't don't lose heart you know you're right there and it's they're a dominant team and they're a strong competitor and they're only getting better as the years go on so yeah I'm sure that their their time will come too you know but yeah one one of the videos I was posting in the MFL was just a slow motion of mm-hmm. the last catch and it. It did show that, you know, it's still kind of grainy, but, you know, he, Tony catch, catches the ball, and as he's coming down, you see his leg bend sharply, which is assuming that's a point when he hits, when his foot hits the ground. And if that's the case, then it was, it was in mm. from that footage. And if that's the case, I mean, all he needed was one, one foot, foot in. in. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the uproar, I mean, I was sitting, I mean, I, it's interesting when something like that happens like everyone's vantage points like people see different things you know like you ever you ever think about that like so let's talk about that play right so this happened all of a sudden half of the people that are there or a pretty good number of them who maybe were not on the team were like there's no way he was out guaranteed for sure whatever and then you've got the team you know the Sierra Warriors and all the supporters are like no he was in so you just kind of wonder like how did this like you know everyone's vantage point yeah if everyone's completely objective what, which is how is it that it's really the question is like are we truly objective when it comes to things like this because like, if, if everyone was objective then there'd be half the people on green who'd be like no he was out and half the people on purple right. would be like no he's in right right you know be, there'd be it wouldn't be so you know green versus purple or you know whoever the depending yeah. on who, who you're rooting for you wouldn't see it right. the way you wanted to see it you made a really interesting point early on um, when we were talking like about ambiguity and how that kind of fosters like a perception of what what you want truth to be or a certain level of bias, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the term is a cognitive bias. Cognitive where, bias, right? Yeah, like the way you want to like if there's some ambiguity, anything amb- ambiguous, people can interpret it in multiple ways. Then your your brain has to make sense of what just happened and it tries to conform it in a way that it already understands or hopes it to be and so I mean that's kind of like so yeah every time there's some ambiguity you see things the way you kind of want to see it and you can't, your brain kind of makes you see that it's, it's very interesting you know and I think yeah. it's classic in, in sports especially because you've got a lot of people who are fired up and 
they're they're set on a certain outcome you know right so from wherever you're standing on whatever side of the field or you know wherever you may be like i, I wonder sometimes like are we truly objective or you know is what we see from our vantage point based on what we want to see or what we hope yeah. is the outcome you know yeah because we have a certain uh, agenda that we want to uh, want the outcome to be right and so we see, if we see any evidence that confirms it then we we like yeah that that that's it you know that's why that happened and if there's any evidence that disconfirms it we're like oh we dismiss it you know like that can't be that can't be right do you feel like so, that carries out in like politics or religion or anything like that yeah so okay so there is there is one there is one story uh that that I remember was kind of profound for me in terms of recognizing my own cognitive bias. Um, and it was like way back in the day when um, Obama and Hillary, Hillary were, you know, vying for the Democratic uh, nomination. And there was, there was a, an article that I came across. And I was, I was a big Obama supporter back then. And one of my friends, she was a big Hillary supporter, right? And so there was this one article that I read and it was like skewering Obama saying that he plagiarized a speech that some governor gave him to say in a stump speech to kind of uh, counter these these attacks that were um, that were lever- that were levied at him, right? And so I read this read this and it was very like Rita Skeeter like you know if you if you read Harry Potter where it's kind of like yellow journalism where it's just like really just anti Obama, right? And I read it and I'm just like yeah, I don't the the governor governor gave him permission to make that argument i don't know if it's really plagiarism you know and so but i was just like man maybe i'm just rationalizing it because mm-hmm. i was a big obama fan so even though this evidence was against obama i'm just like oh it can't be that it can't be that bad you know and I'm, I'm kind of rationalizing this this evidence and so i just kind of like a social experiment out of curiosity i sent it to her and i was just like hey like what do you think about this you know just just give me your honest opinion on on this this article and then she comes back and she's like, see, I told you, Sean, he's nothing but a fraud. It's just the tip of the iceberg. He's going to come back. There's going to be more plagiarism charges, you know, and just like. And same so article, like, two different. So same angles. article. And like, yeah, too. So I was like kind of rationalizing mm-hmm. away. And she was like, yeah, this is exactly why Obama's a fraud, <laughs> you know. And uh, but that's that was like a telltale. And I was just, like, man, that's such a telltale example yeah. of just how, you know, we have these worldviews and any evidence that comes that comes we just kind of like either yeah. rationalize it away or we stamp it as the reason why we think i think it applies also to uh relationships and friendships you know mm-hmm. like i was just thinking all right for an example right let's say that you had an altercation with a friend of mine maybe it's like an argument or something like that someone that we both know and that person tells me you know what um you know what sean did to me the other day like he he yelled at me he told me off he like was aggressive whatever it may be my reaction, knowing you, would be, what? That doesn't sound like him, you know? Mm-hmm. I would say, he must have had a bad day. Maybe you misunderstood it. Like, I would do everything I can to justify or yeah. defend you because of the relationship that we have. Right. But now, you have another person who might hear this story who probably is not as close to you or maybe had, like, one interaction with you in some capacity. And suddenly, like, now they're like, you know what? I could actually see him doing that. Um he, he seems like the type that would kind of lose his cool a little bit, you know? So it's like we're hearing the same situation, but depending on our relationship to you, it it changes our our bias. Like, I want to give you the benefit of the doubt, but this other person's already ready to put a guilty 
yeah. like charge on you. Yeah. I remember there was one time in college where this one girl comes up to me and was just like, hey, Sean, how do you interpret this? Like, I, I got an email from this guy that I'm talking to, and I, I was like, hey, we should go meet up uh, uh, at, I don't know, for lunch at the cafeteria, right? And he's like, yeah, we should one day, right? <laughs> and then she's like, how do you interpret this this one day? And I, I didn't know him at the time, right? So I'm like, uh, I mean, it could just be one day and, you know, it, you know he didn't think anything of it, you know, the, and you just got to figure out a day. Or it could be like he just doesn't want to talk to you and he's just kind of like avoiding the, the potential date and he's just saying, hey, yeah, one day, make it ambiguous and just yeah, never come not back to it again. Down. You're right, right. Just trying to be nice, but kind of just dismissing it. And for the rest of the year, she was kind of, she believed me in my interpretation of this and just was like really mean to him or just and thought that he rejected her and he actually wasn't rejecting her so i didn't find out until a couple years later when we became really good friends and and then he became my roommate um in college and he's just like yeah you know that that one girl never talks to me anymore it's like oh yeah because of the whole uh one day email you wrote and he's like what i didn't mean anything by it i was just it was one day like we could yeah one day meet up and i was just like oh well i you know, and it was, it was strange because if I know them, if I had, you know, had this conversation with her after I was really good friends, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, he meant nothing by it. But because I didn't know him, I gave apparently really bad advice. All right. For that story, regardless, that's just a weird way to <laughs> like who says we're, we're in college at the time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, we should definitely do that one day like that. That just sounds weird altogether. But anyway, yeah. again, we'll. We'll talk about email dynamics in our next podcast. <laughs> the do's and don'ts. Yeah, relationships and marriage. Yeah. I think, but I think, uh, in the case of watching like a controversial play, for example, but I think the other thing that happens is, is they think that, I mean, teams think that if they say something loud enough, that maybe the rest will believe them. <laughs> you know, so it might it might be cognitive bias and see things, see things that they want to see. Or it could be like, oh, yeah, we know what happened, but if we say this loud enough, maybe the refs will agree with us. And so I think there's, there's some, like, strange yeah. strategy. I think it's, too. yeah, I mean, it, what a way to end the tournament and the finals. It's it's absolutely crazy, no matter what way you look at it, right? Like, it's it's awesome. Just, uh, just the way yeah. that, like, I mean, it, it's just a great tournament. Both teams came out to both play. Both teams, for sure. And, and, and it was a phenomenal ending, and phenomenal so, yeah. championship game. 100%. And congratulations to just all the teams that competed this year. I know there's just a lot of effort and a lot of time and practice and, you know, uh, sacrifices made to to get everyone ready for this tournament. And it sucks that it comes down to just one day. I was just telling someone the other day, I was like, man, can you imagine if the finals or, or playoffs were like multi-games, right? <laughs> like it sucks that like you prepare an entire summer, maybe even longer, just, just for one game. You know, or yeah. like in the playoffs or the finals. Like, I mean, again, logistically, it'd probably be a nightmare because we'd have to do this tournament over a course of like two or three days. Yeah. But it would be interesting would to be... see what the outcome would be if like playoff games were more than just one game, you know? Yeah. It re- finals was a series of, you know. But. So what's, uh, what's next on the next, uh, what's up on the next podcast? It's a great question. Um, I know that for sure we do uh, we do want to touch on some of the stuff that's happening right now um, in Kerala and mm-hmm. just the floods, and um, hopefully we can get some people to uh, join us on that podcast so we can talk about it a little bit more. But 
yeah, again, uh, we'll, more to come on that. Um, stay tuned with us. But, yeah, congratulations to everyone that, you know, competed this year, uh, Zero Warriors, and also to uh, the North Avenue Saints. You guys, you guys were killing it. So, thanks. We'd like to thank our sponsors for their contributions this year to the 2018 Summer Tournament. To Steve Katz, Realtor, All In Productions, Blue Leaf Lending, Barry Stoltz, Tom Sunny, Financial Services Professional with New York Life Securities, LLC, Mulapalo Law Group, Neil David, NMLSR ID 833274 from Wells Fargo, and Nothing Bunt Cakes.